This program is part of the Cosmic Potato Podcast Network. For more shows like this, visit our website at CosmicPotato.com. Hi, this is Shane. And this is Virginia. And this is Wait You've Never Seen, a podcast dedicated to discussing well-known movies and TV shows that one of us has never seen. And today we're discussing, wait, you've never seen Band of Brothers? This doesn't surprise me, actually, because you don't strike me as a really gory kind of movie or show fan. Game of Thrones, uh, notwithstanding. Yeah, I do. I mean, I'll watch... If there's a documentary on, like, World War II, I'm watching that, Mm -hmm. you know. Especially if it's, you know, produced by Tom Hanks and Steven Spielberg. Exactly. Um, okay, so, well, we just kind of talked about it, but uh, Trigger Warnings, it's a it's a war uh, dramatization of real events. So, there's a lot of blood, although not a whole lot like the first episode was mainly them training. Yeah. And the second episode, which is those, that's the two episodes that we watched. Um, the right. second episode was more gory, I would think. Well, it featured... Uh, D-Day, so I expected, I mean, it wasn't the beaches of Normandy, Mm -hmm. but I was expecting, even when they did have a chance of having a gory moment, they sort of did it a little off. True. Like when they gunned down the, the Krauts, FYI, they, they call them the Krauts. Yeah, that was tough. That was a little tough. Yeah. Um, so, very gory, be prepared for that. Tell me three things you expected from this TV show. Number one, real but rarely told stories from World War II soldiers in Europe near the end of the war. Okay. I mean, check. I mean, you can look at the poster and kind of tell that that might be what it's going to be. Yes. Um, For my second thing, I have V2 rockets are involved just because I think the rockets are <laughs> I, I, I don't believe it besides getting you know getting uh, uh, Werner von Braun out of the country out of Germany when they finally got to Germany uh-huh that yeah they're really I'm sure there aren't really what what are those I'm not up on military armaments so oh I'm sorry okay so the V2 rocket was it was V stands for vengeance does it really, or are you just saying that? It stands for vengeance, yeah. And Hitler had all of these, like, ridiculous ideas. Some of them were, um, his scientists were able to accomplish. And some of them were just, you know, just too ridiculous. He made this tank that was so big, this enormous tank. The only way to move it around was on these specially made rails. I can't remember how big it was, but it was Why? several stories tall. Why? I mean, this is Hitler we're talking about, so of course he does jacked up things. But right. that just doesn't seem to be... Um, Good use of your... Of your resources. Uh, not efficient in, you know, killing your enemies, which is good for us, the allies, but bad for the Axis. So... The V-2 rocket, I'm I'm sorry, I'm already getting in the weeds. 
the V two rocket was developed. Um, it's a, it's a, it was a supersonic rocket, so it could, you know, the typical bombings that would happen in London and other parts of mm-hmm. um, England, where you know you hear the planes coming and the drop, they drop the bombs and they right. make that whistling sound. With a V two, it's supersonic. Things are exploding and dying. This, and you learn about that. In an instant. It happens at the speed of sound. So is it still something that bombers drop, or is it like a long-range sort of, you fire the cannon on one side of the English Channel, and it shows up on the other side of the English Channel? Right. It, um, this, yeah, the, the, the latter part. It, it, okay. wasn't, it wasn't dropped from planes. I think they had launch sites in France. I think there were some in, Germ- in Germany as well. But it was absolutely terrifying because people didn't even realize that yeah. such a weapon existed. So it was absolutely terrifying to get blown up by something that it, you just don't see at all. And Werner von uh, von Braun, who went on to um, to help get Americans on the moon, he was the brains behind the um, the V two rocket. I see. So, that was one of the plans was, hey, Dr. Werner von Braun, you're either going to be tried as a war criminal, mm-hmm. uh, you could go with the Soviets, or you could come with us and, and do rocket space stuff for us. Man, uh, the time right after World War II was just wild. It yeah. was like, so much was gone. Anyway... Back to what was the third thing you expected? <laughs> See, look at that. You're actually you're actually paying attention to where I'm at. So yes, the third thing is, I expect to not <laughs> I expect to not want to get too attached to any of the characters, uh-huh. as I expected a high death count. Okay. So did you expect to like it? I gave it four stars. That's pretty good. Um, I expected to like it. I this came out. Uh, a couple of years after From the Earth to the Moon, which was also a Tom Hanks... Spielberg production? Was Spielberg Spiel- I don't know involved? if Spielberg was involved or not, but... Um, but yeah, I would imagine it would be difficult to get it wrong, exactly. Although, the format... Some of the some of the, you know, the graphics, like part one and part two, like, they almost use the exact same... Like graphics, I think Ken Burns does too. For from here. <laughs> but um, it couldn't have actually been diff- more different because from the Earth to the Moon, you could watch each individual one. Like there's one that just focuses on the wives. There's one that just focuses on the Apollo One disaster on the pad. So it's episodic and not necessarily serial, like this one is. Yeah, it doesn't really. It's not like an aided. A to Z, you know, straight storytelling sort of thing, and the and each one of them have their own like look and feel, and you know, one is done just from the the perspective of a film crew that got to they got complete access and interviewed people, so a lot of the footage anyway. This is uh, Band of Brothers is obviously very different because it's it's. We're just sort of, you know, telling this story in a serialized... A linear fashion? Yes. 
So do you have a one-sentence TV guide summary? A group of Allied soldiers in World War II Europe in 1945 get separated from command and have to find their way back home by riding a V2 rocket. Oh, my God. Yeehaw! I think you're confusing Band of Brothers with um, Dr. Strangelove. Have your wires got crossed a little here? No, it's just wishful thinking. (laughs) Would you like to hear what IMDb had to say? Let's hear it. So, Band of Brothers is uh, from 2001. It actually aired two days before the 9-11 attacks. Oh, my gosh. Um, So, it came out in 2001. It's rated TV Mature. Mm. Total, it's 10 episodes, 9 hours and 54 minutes. We watched the first two episodes. And it's action drama history. And it says, The story of Easy Company of the U.S. Army 101st Airborne Division and their mission in World War II Europe from Operation Overlord through VJ Day. Spoiler alert, they go through VJ Day. Great. Well, I mean, if there's... We've already we've already covered <laughs> we've already covered D Day, so right. I imagine if there's eight more episodes. So, did things meet your expectations? I keep it at four stars. You know, I mean, we've only seen two of the episodes, so some things uh, might change. But I thought it was great. Um, I I I'm looking forward to watching. Uh, the rest. I think it's hard to do a World War Two movie or TV show that's unique anymore. We've seen so many different depictions of World War Two, and there's a there's a realism, obviously, that they're going for in this mm-hmm. in this show. And I think they even approached, for the most part, they approached the color in a real. In a real honest way. Sometimes when you do a movie that's set in World War Two, there's a there's this desire to go. Okay, we need to have it look grainy. It should be like a sepia tone. See, I thought it was a little sepia toned. The battle scenes were um, the battle the battle scenes had had um, muted. Uh, colors. Everything was very warm. Mm-hmm. There was no. Uh, there were no cool colors. The sky was all just washed out, washed out white. And I think they were doing that thing where they um, were taking out frames. Like if you take out every other frame, like you you shoot something in slow motion, and then you take out every other frame, it has this really weird, strange quality to the to the movement on mm-hmm. the screen. And this is good for battle because it sort of, it gives you this creepiness and this um, this otherworldly quality and co- the confusion of war and mm-hmm. and that sort of thing. But I don't know, like at the, see, I feel like I need to defend myself. So um, when at the very at the very end um, of which of episode? episode? Sorry. At the very end of episode two, when Winters is looking at the mortar fire or battle things that are happening like over the water and kind of distant you know right, at uh-huh. a distance there's a uh there's a sunset happening at the same time and th- those sunset colors are super bright you know there's oh, a yeah. whole mm-hmm. there's a whole rainbow of really bright colors which is which would be a little bit more realistic even though 
again we're seeing sort of a scene of war and destruction and whatnot but it's it's presented in a more realistic uh, way did you expect that it would begin with um, interviews from the veterans themselves no I didn't think that was the real those are the real um, the real guys the real guys that they're really portraying on screen they haven't put the names up yet because I'm guessing they don't want you to really know who is who yet oh because I'd be like, oh, I saw Malarkey when he's 80, so he's going to be fine. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> yeah, um, that was, yeah, that was, um, that was good. Yeah, so I'm assuming that everything I'm seeing on screen it is an actual, a, a dramatization of something that really did happen. Yes, um, there was a book called Band of Brothers by Stephen Ambrose, oh. um, which was adapted into this series, um, but it was based on the real life um, actions of Easy Company of the 101st Airborne, hmm. um, which is like one of the most well-known companies in uh, one of the w- most well-known companies in World War II history because they did like a lot. I see. I see. Yeah, when when Malarkey talks to that American from Oregon who joined the German army uh-huh. in 1941, I, that just blew my mind. I didn't realize. I'm assuming that that really did. Yeah. That I mean, really I don't know. If, I don't know if that exact situation happened, but yeah, there were people who were born here from you know Germany, Italy, Japan who, when the war broke out, decided to return to their countries of origin or bring their families with them because the country of origin for that guy was America, um, to go fight against Americans. I don't know how pervasive that was, but it did happen. I mean, and when do you get captured? Do you get treated like like a treasonous, (laughs) you know... Yeah, I don't know. Would you be treated wor- well? I mean, then they just quietly killed all those people. I, yeah. Which, um, which I believe is a war crime. I really liked the um, the opening theme. I don't know if you noticed that because I know I'm more of the music person, but I liked it. It had your resolving. Uh, yes. Phrases is that is that the. Um, resolving. resolving chords, mm-hmm. um, and it has that very swelling orchestra kind of thing going on. Yes. So I like that. Do you want to talk about Ross from Friends? <sighs> David Look, Schwimmer. He's not a good actor. I just want to. <laughs> I just want to put that out there. Like, he's such a bad actor that. When he comes on screen, I have to become the actor and pretend that he's good at this. <laughs> and I have to I have to put out of my mind that he's Ross from Friends. So, um, he played Captain Herbert Sobel, um, who was a really terrible commander who was always getting his troops lost. So, um, the... I can't remember his name. Like, the head guy reassigns him. Oh, with the the fussy little mustache? Yeah. 
reassigns him to a training school yeah. after getting a protest from the people in his company, in yeah. Ross's company, um, saying they, they just won't they won't serve as a non commissioned officer in that company any longer. And that's why he moves him. That's why the general uh-huh. moves Captain Ross Geller <laughs> to the training. Anyway, I was I wanted to say David Schwimmer, who played Captain Sobel, was actually isolated from most of the other cast members during their boot camp to help generate a feeling of resentment among the men. I I wouldn't have a hard time feeling resentment towards him. <laughs> <laughs> like just anyway. You know, that's amazing. Like they overlooked like command as far as what I've learned command looked like when they got closer to D-Day and they were preparing this like like anyone anyone at all who could do anything they were all you know if someone had um, not 4F but if you're if you have like restrictions like well mm-hmm. you, you can't uh, fly alone or you can't do this or you have different restrictions they just threw all that out the window and were, were like look whatever it is we have to do everyone's gonna go and take a take part in this like Sobel must have been such a jackass to, really? to not to be so taken off taken off the invasion I mean besides the fact I mean I understand the idea obviously a drill sergeant is supposed to be uh, not well liked uh, right when, when you're training someone but then to have just no skills at all like that's just Right, and to and to put your put everyone in harm's way, oh, it's like horrible in not a way that I was expecting. Well, and his subordinates would try to, I mean, at times gently correct him, and at times not so gently correct him. But he didn't even want to accept that he might be wrong. He was in charge. He must be right. Screw all you other guys who are going to get killed when we go over there to fight the Germans. <sighs> Yeah, I really like that um, uh, that Winters guy. Yes, Richard Winters. Richard Winters. Speaking of, I found a website that has pictures of the real military people and then the actors who played them. Oh, yeah. Which I'll put up on our website. Oh, that's but interesting. But it's like, here's Dick Winters. Oh, wow. Same rakish angle for his hat there. Lewis Nixon, who's that guy from Office Space? Yeah. Ronald Spears, Doc Eugene Rowe. Oh, this one makes me laugh. William Garnier. Oh, yeah, they call him Gonorrhea. (laughs) So, yeah, I'll put a link up to that. But they did really good casting, I think. They look very similar. Well, besides Ross. Well, yeah. Um, And I know a lot of it is probably makeup and, you know, the jaunty angle helps with the hat. But I think they did a really good job. Sure. So, do you have more to say? Um, The military, it was was interesting watching the uh, military strategies... That work, you know, executed in a way where I can even understand and follow. Like, oh, okay, yeah. So 
here's the two big guns, those are problems, those need to be eliminated, and just the way they, um, they very, um, it was like watching, uh, it was like watching a game of chess, you know, like, it, right. it was really well, it was really well executed. A lot of times, there's, there's been so many movies that just talk about the, 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 and there was a little bit of this, but are just about, like, the chaos and everything that went wrong and, like, just the horrible, the, the horror of war, mm-hmm. which I don't think they, I don't think they gloss over. They, they show that. But it's interesting to see, like, oh, these people are very competent. Mm-hmm. They're great at their job. You know, and then at the end of that second episode, they they showed here's all of the medals and, you know, that were awarded after that battle. Right. It said, for destroying the German guns at Breitkorp Manor, the following awards were awarded. And then it lists Bronze Star, Silver Star, and Distinguished Service Cross. And then it said, Easy Company's capture of the German battery became a textbook case of an assault on a fixed position and is still demonstrated at the United States Military Academy at West Point today. So when you say well executed, like, I mean, well execute, like, they put it in a textbook. Right. It became it became a move. Yeah. So Bechtel test. Haha, <laughs> yeah. let's just skip. No, I'm just kidding. Um, obviously, it's a war movie. Obviously, it's World War II. Women aren't in combat. This is a combat-heavy show. Yeah. So it fails understandably but yeah there's some nurses and some dancing girls when they go into a town or whatever right yeah where they're like standing outside a store or a house or something but you only see them back in the distance and nobody really talks they might talk to um one of the french people that's in that area or something maybe so for disability portrayal since this is early on in the show we haven't seen a whole lot of war-related disability yet. I assume it's been a while since I've seen this show, so I don't remember a whole lot of what is going to happen. But I assume as the show goes on, we'll see more war-related disability and how how that affects the men who need to leave but don't want to like abandon these men who they've like like a band of brothers. They don't want to leave them, but they have to leave because they're injured or whatever. Yeah, there was a little bit of that. That one guy got injured. Yeah. Anyway. Um, there is some mention of the, the men listed as 4F, but that was just like in a... Three guys were classified as 4F in my city, and then they, you know, went and off themselves because they couldn't fight for their country. Oh, right. So... That is also a thing that I believe happened, but I'd have to do more research in that to be sure. Yeah, that sounds... I mean, cause it, especially since they were like, hey, we're going to look the other way and mark you. I don't know if there was 3B. It was there like... Or is it just a binary? Oh, A1 yeah, I don't know. Or 4F? I thought there would probably be a range of like... 1A is like, I can send you out into combat tomorrow. Where, like, 2A might be like, okay, we need to work on your firing and, you know, do some laps around the obstacle course, like, train you up a little bit. Yeah. I'm going to look it up right now. Okay. So, 
This is from the Selective Service System official site of the United States government. Hmm. So, 1A, available for military service. Then there are a bunch of 1A sub subheading, like 1AO is a conscientious objector. So I guess they, they could go, they're 1A available, but the O, I guess, is for objector. They could fulfill service in a non-combat position within the military. Oh, okay. So like uh, jeep drivers or medic lines and stuff like that. Radio person. Then you have like 1D, member of a reserve component. You get into twos, like, oh, that looks like it's student heavy or civilian occupations. There's only one three. 3A is a hardship deferment. Deferred from military service because service would cause hardship upon his family. Mm. And then 4A, 4B, 4C, 4D, like, um, all of the fours are just like rejections. Ministers of religion exempted from service, registrant not qualified for military service, sole surviving son, which I didn't realize was a real thing, but I guess like saving private of, Ryan yeah. was like a real thing. Hmm. I wonder if that will become sole surviving child. You would think so. Well, I guess women would have to be eligible for the selective service act to begin with which they are not you know how you have to sign up when on your 18th birthday yeah i remember i carried that i carried that card around with me until which, which sounds ridiculous but i carried that card around me i think they it is it, from your 18 to like 25 or 26 maybe um but there was no draft during that time yeah, this I'm just on the classification side. I'm not on the, the I'm I'm not sure where else to go. Sorry. It's fine. Um, are there any pop culture references you now understand? Well, the comedian Pete Holmes, I listen to his podcast a lot, and his podcasts go on for like three hours sometimes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so. So I get to learn a lot about Pete. Mm-hmm. And Pete is a... Pete likes... Um, anything he thinks of is super manly. Mm-hmm. Like he loves all, all that sort of stuff. So he mentions Banded Brothers from time to time. And uh, which, which is why I thought... Well, and maybe this is ruined for me and I'll know <laughs> this will happen later. But I thought more... I thought, I thought more characters would die, I guess. Because, you know... It's been a while, like I said, since I've seen it, but but more people die. So you'll get your wish on that regard. I don't know how much. Bull. It's a war show. People are going to die. It's, okay. Wait, I was thinking something, but I can't remember it now. Um, any other pop culture references you understand? Um, no. So... I don't really know if this would fit into, like, World War II, but, like, how would the movie be different with today's technology? It would just be, like, a movie about Afghanistan and Iraq and that kind of thing, I think. 
So it would be updated you know, methodologies and weapons and treatments and strategies. And there's just no way to update it without, you know, it being a completely different thing. Yeah, to be something other than covering like, like, uh, like Black Hawk Down. I don't know if you saw that. I did not. But that's like, that's a documentation of things that went way, way wrong. Mm-hmm. Very, very wrong. So to see an equivalent of this would be interesting with, like, you know, hey, here's, here's um, a battle or an engagement where everything went where everything went right and, you know, people did the right thing. And, you know. So as far as today's technology, though, I, even though it's like a history piece and we usually don't do this, I want that Dick Sobel to just get a GPS device <laughs> so he doesn't get lost anymore. Of course, then all those poor, those poor soldiers are going to have to deal with him. So maybe, yeah. I don't, maybe I don't want him to have a GPS device. There's not supposed to be a fence here. Well, that's because you're lost, dude. And then kind of gullible too. He fell for the the general guy, yeah. the guy doing the impression of the general from the trees. Oh my god! <laughs> and then meanwhile, Winters finds that map when they go into Breakcore or whatever. Yeah, and finds the map. You can see the Nazi symbol on it, and he's like, "Oh, here, I thought it might be helpful." Of course, it's helpful. Yeah, he's all modest and stuff. And meanwhile, <laughs> Ross is over there like, I know everything. So it's just interesting to see like that juxtaposition, I think. Oh, right. The the humility as opposed to, um, you know, Hubris. the dickishness. Hubris. That's a better word than dickishness. I think they both work. Sure. Do you have anything else? I think that's it. You can find us on a bunch of platforms like iTunes, Stitcher, and Spotify. We're also on the Cosmic Potato Podcast Network at CosmicPotato.com. You can find other shows on there like Captain Game Show, Cosmic Potato, The Super Fan Talk Podcast, World War G, Trial by Pilot, and a few others. As for us, just go to WaitYou'veNeverSeen.com to find links, social media, and contact information. Leave us some feedback and let us know if you have any suggestions for movies or TV shows we should watch. That's our show for today. Next time, we'll have a special Game of Thrones wrap-up edition. Oh my goodness, I'm so excited. <laughs> That's going to be great. You're not going to start whistling the, the theme like you always do? I wasn't going to start whistling. I was going to be like... Thanks for listening.